the volume. Soup with Coop is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. Welcome to Soup with Coop. My next guest is none other than the high-energy coach, player, and fantastic person himself, Coach Herm Edwards. Coach, welcome to Soup with Coop. Coop, let me tell you something now. I'm messing around and eating me some tomato soup, so um, this is a thrill for me. To have tomato soup, it's actually about 10.30 here uh, in Tempe, Arizona, but tomato soup's always good. Are you a soup eater, or do you love – do you have soup – Pretty pretty frequently. I'm okay with soup. I, I you know when, when all else fails, soup never fails you. Now, do you ever have crackers? I always have a little crackers with my tomato Watch soup. It now. I, I, come on, you're top well, you're, connoisseur. You're ahead of me, golly! You know you've always been a little step ahead of the, of the game. You know the defensive backs always have to be a step ahead of the quarterbacks. You know that. I, I called my dad last night. I said, Dad, I'm talking to Herm Edwards tomorrow. And he goes, oh, I made Herm look good a couple times. <laughs> he got me a couple times, too, though. Let's, let's call it like we see it. <laughs> I said, I said, Dad, actually, I looked it up, and he only intercepted you one time. And he goes, well, he must have dropped a couple because I think I threw a couple to him. <laughs> <laughs> I knocked him away. I said I knocked him away. Knocked him away. I had 38, and I do have him on my list as one of the yeah. guys I got. I know you have a pretty good list, and your your first interception you ever had was a, a pretty good uh, oh. pretty good Hall of Famer right there. Come on now, Joe Willie Namath. Come oh, on. I'll give you this one. So when the game's over with, Coop, imagine we're in the Coliseum. I'm a rookie. We're walking out of the Coliseum. That's when the Rams were playing in Los Angeles. I have the ball, first NFL interception, and I'm walking with some veteran guys, and he's about 20 yards in front of me, Joe Willie, and I'm going. I asked the veterans, I said, you think he'd autograph this ball for me? <laughs> they said, don't do it, Rook. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the time to do that. <laughs> you would think an undrafted rookie would know better, but not, not the case, Coach. I just wanted his autograph. I said, we autograph the ball, please. <laughs> coach, when you were young, were you always a good athlete? Do you play all the sports? Yes. And, and uh, I, I was, uh, you know, when I grew up, you played, there was no video games. I mean, you went outside and played whatever sport was uh, – seasonal and you do what you did I baseball player a, a basketball player uh ran some track as well but um yeah I was I, with a ball I generally was going to try to play I even played soccer for a little while what were you a goalie I, think oh, you had good hands. I, was, I, could, I could work the ball with my feet now defensive back you, you got to work the ball now your dad was in the military and you were kind of a military brat do you think that part of your life had a big impact on your coaching and leadership skills later on? Definitely from my dad, uh, no, no doubt. A master sergeant, uh, fought in the Korean War in World War II. So um, there was discipline, there was details, there was accountability, uh, responsibility. You know, when I grew up and as a young guy, you, know, you had what we call chores uh, that you yes. had to do before you left the house to go play, right? <laughs> And, and then, and then, and then the, uh, they were checked by the master sergeant to make sure they were correct, correctly done. <laughs> Coach, your dad was in the military. Was it safe to say he was a badass? Uh, yeah, a master sergeant. Yeah, he was, you know, but, but remember, and he told me this as a young, as a young kid growing up, he says, you know, he says, 
I have young people, 18 year old, 19 year old young guys in the service uh, that I had to make sure that they came home safe. You know, that, that, that's a big burden. And that's not too indifferent in the same situation you're in now where parents are coming and, and handing their young, young boys off to you and saying, you know, they're, these are boys. When I come back in four or five years, uh, hopefully they're men. That's, that's responsibility in itself. It really is. And, it, and you don't take it lightly. Um, you, you realize that you become a part of that family uh, and the family becomes a part of your, your institution, wherever that young man decides to go. And I've always told parents this is two things I can promise you uh, that he will graduate and he will he will become the best version of who he is. That, that is my that is my goal. Now, I can't promise them they're going to pro football. I, I can't give them talent. God gives them talent. But I can put them in position where they'll have the knowledge uh, to understand what it takes to get to, to pro football, for sure. And, Coach, was that a difficult process for you when you were coaching in the pros, when you would get a guy who came in maybe in his second year, third year, that maybe didn't have the influence, the positive influence in college and as and in his upbringing where you were having to kind of unwind or unlearn some bad habits and, and get him back on the, on the road before it was too late? Well, I think, you know, every, every football coach looks at it a little bit different and how they go about, you know, the football coach has the pressure of winning games. Um, that, that's, that's kind of how you're, you're graded. Um, right. But I think it's more than that. And I think from certain programs, and, and you know this, uh, you, you've been in football your whole life, there's certain programs you expect out of certain programs how a young man's going to uh, react. When he gets when he comes to you as, as as a as a player that's been drafted or assigned free agent, and there's other programs you look at, say, okay, and you kind of know what you're dealing with. And what was Dick Vermeil dealing with oh. when you were undrafted and rolled into Philly as a you know a, a pretty cocky corner, but none, none, I mean you were overlooked, and that had to be a little bit of a chip on your shoulder as well. Oh, no, no doubt, and 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 I've known Dick. He recruited me out of high school. So we go way back. And, Where was he? Where was he? He was at UCLA then. Okay. And I ended up going to Cal with, uh, you, you know, your dad's teammate was Chuck Muncie. I was oh. with the Chuck Muncie group. And Steve Burkowski, Wesley Walker, they were all on that Cal team with me. There was about 11 guys on that Cal team that actually played pro football. Those were heroes. Man. I grew up. I grew up with all those guys, you know, going to different events. I mean, yes, yes. So I thought Chuck, I thought Chuck Muncie was my best friend when I was eight years old. Absolutely, uh, and you know, and he he left he left this earth too soon, obviously. But but that that was the team that I was on because I ended up going to Cal right out of high school, uh, and then left, um, got into it with a with one of the coaches, personality clash, and ended up uh, leaving and going to San Diego State and finished my my career down there, and then. Dick signed me as a free agent and um, gave me an opportunity and uh, started the first preseason game and never missed a snap, never missed a practice in all the years that I was in Philadelphia. And I was looking at it, uh, your roster of who all you picked off. I would assume the person you intercepted the most in your career, maybe not in games, had to be Ron Jaworski. <laughs> Ronnie J? Oh, we used to get going and practice all the time, too. <laughs> We, oh, I used, to, I, I used to give Jaws. him. A oh, you know, Jaws loves talking now. That's why they call him Jaws, obviously. It, I think Jaws. Yeah, it's funny about Jaws because we came together. He, you know, he was with the Rams, and Dick was a special teams coach with the Rams. Dick Vermeil. 
Okay. And then he brings he brings Ronnie J. They make a trade for Ronnie J. My rookie year. So we came in the league together. I was a rookie free agent. Jaws was coming from the Rams. And we had this deal going of consecutive starts. And we were both tied at one time at 130 consecutive starts, right? And he ended up getting hurt. And then all of a sudden I passed him because he couldn't play in a game. But you're talking about, I mean, we're still friends. We're, we're, we're tight. I mean, you're talking about a tough guy. Oh, boy. He was unbelievable. Was that different back then? Were guys, you think quarterbacks back then were more vocal and kind of tough? I mean, you, you oh. see a little bit out of Phillip Rivers being kind of talking some trash every now and then. Jaws probably didn't hold his feelings in very well. No, but you know what? The leadership was, was that was, you know, you could tell like, like your dad. I mean, look, I, I called him at, at, you know, when he was with, with obviously with the Saints. Um, and um, it was just, people don't realize the athleticism that your dad had. I tell you what now, boy, he, he you talking about him? They talk about these running quarterbacks now, right? When he came in the league, he was something now. <laughs> <laughs> he could make a lot of. He could make what I call the unscheduled play with his legs. He could yeah. make an unscheduled play, you know. And that's and that's that's what we see in football now. A bunch of these quarterbacks making a play that's not on schedule. They get it back on schedule with their feet. He better be able to do something because he was running a lot. He had to be running. I mean, you know, and it's a shame because, as you know, you you know, and look, and I'll tell you this, and and your dad, you know, fathers always, you know, when they're talking to their kids, you know, the the stories get better. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Your dad was, he was a really good, I mean, I mean, one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. There is no doubt about that now. You know, speaking of leadership, Coach, Dick Vermeil. When I think of Dick Vermeil, my dad used to always say he's one of these guys who would just sleep at the office. He was there all the time, just yes. he just grinded. And, and, and you saw it emotionally sometimes when things would go right. He was very emotional. What was that like to play under him? You love playing for the man because you wanted to earn his trust and his respect. See, when I grew up in a military background, so I, I got it. Now, I say that. I grew up in a military background, and where do I go to college? Cal Berkeley. <laughs> that sounds like rebellion to I me. Mean, it, it's I, rebellion. It is rebellion. <laughs> right. But with that being said, that was my foundation of my life. And so, you know, the thing was you wanted to please Dick. And once you were one of his guys, you were one of his guys. And I talked to Dick Vermeil still today. That's how you close had, I am with that man. You had to be one of his guys. I mean, an undrafted rookie rolls in and starts out of the gates at corner. I mean, you, he had to be, that had to be one of the greatest finds of all time. I and mean, that's, we, talk, we laugh we laugh, out there. Yeah. We laugh about it all the time. <laughs> Coach, you obviously had a great career in the NFL and you played in the Super Bowl in 1980, but I've read somewhere that you do not like watching Super Bowls anymore. Well, I tell you what, you're right. I, all the way up until I started working for the worldwide leader, then I had to watch it. Mm-hmm. So my whole deal was when we lost, I can remember when we lost, obviously. And I always tell people, you know, it's one of, it's the hardest game to get into as a player, right? I mean, when you think about the AFC until the last couple of years, there was a 15-year run where there was four quarterbacks. It was Flacco. It was Brady. It was Ben Roethlisberger. And it was Peyton Manning. 
They had a 15-year run where there's four quarterbacks in the AFC. So I tell people all the time, don't, 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 don't get this thing twisted. This Super Bowl thing is hard to get to. A lot of great quarterbacks, teams never got to the Super Bowl. Now, with that being said, when you think about it, I always tell people this. When you win it, when you win it, for the rest of your life, when people come up to you, they say, Super Bowl champ. When you don't win it, they say Super Bowl participant. <laughs> There's a different feeling. Yeah. So my daughters have felt the brunt of me being a participant because mm-hmm. we didn't win, right? So I always tell people, just remember one thing when the game's over, the confetti. The losers walk through the confetti and the winners do the snowmans in the confetti. <laughs> the, from that day, now I played in Super Bowl 15. Think about that. I played in Super Bowl 15 in New Orleans, in that dome, right? My daughters had birthday parties. And they would always ask me, say, Daddy, why don't you let us have any confetti? I said, Daddy don't like confetti. (laughs) (laughs) So people said, does it bother you? I said, no, it don't bother me. I don't like confetti. There's a reason for that. Soup with Coop is proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free, no deposit required, with a free entry to an NBA contest. Plus, for those who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Why do you play on FanDuel? FanDuel Fantasy is an easy-to-use app. Pick a new team every game. Different and unique contests across sports in relation to your skill level. Compete against your friends in head-to-head matchups. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free, no deposit required, with a free entry to an NBA contest. And FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com forward slash cowherd to sign up today. That is FanDuel.com forward slash cowherd, so they know we sent you. FanDuel, more ways to win. So, you're a sports fan. That's why you're listening, baby. But if you're considering getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know about a great resource, the Action Network. And I'm all over it, like Revis Island. I have nothing but great things to say about it. The Action Network is where fans go when they're ready to bet smarter and turn a profit betting on sports. In fact, their free Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. With the Action app, you can see the latest picks and articles from Action Network gambling experts, as well as personalities like Colin Cowherd, compare odds from different sports books, and track every bet you make so you always know how your picks are doing. So... If the game means more to you, download the free Action Network app and start betting smarter. See, I think there's a chance if this show really takes off like nobody thinks it's going to, they're going to say, Herm Edwards, he was a soup with coop participant. Good soup, tomato soup, by the way. Make sure they know the kind of soup I mean. Who, who, who makes your soup? Go to well, obviously, we have a down in the kitchen. You know, we, we got a, I'm here at the facility, so I'm good. But other than that, if not, I go home and make, but it's easy. You know, you just take it out of the, out of the deal and you put it in that microwave in two minutes. You got soup, man. It ain't that hard. 
see, I was up all morning squeezing tomatoes right here. Oh, really? Know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you play nine years in Philly. Don't yep. miss a snap. You know, leading the franchise in interceptions. A regime change comes in, and Buddy Ryan says – Herm, you don't have it anymore. Right. What, what, did that, what did that feel like? Well, I, I didn't fit. I didn't fit, you know, and I, and I understood that. And, and I was at the point to where I had a knee that was bothering me as well. And so I go, to Atlanta, I go to the Rams in Atlanta, and I ended up retiring in Atlanta because, you know, I was a, a – you know, I looked at myself on tape, and I probably could have kept playing. I probably could have went inside and actually played safety. But I looked at it and going, you know what, all I'm doing is taking a spot away from a young guy. It's time for me to move on, and, and I'm going to go on with my life's work now. And my life's work was to become a coach. And so I went. You, when did you figure that out, Coach? I, I, knew, it, I, I knew it when I was playing. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to give back to the game and what the game has given me. You know, I, I'm indebted to the game of football, and I wanted to give back to the game of football, to the players, the knowledge and things I've learned along the way. I mean, it, it's, it's made my whole life. I mean, you know, so – I'm indebted to it. So I said, I'm going to start coaching. And lo and behold, um, I retire and I get a job at San Jose State coaching the secondary. I'm there for three years. And then I go to Kansas City. Marty Schottenheimer is the head coach. Tony Dungy's on that staff. Bruce Arians is on that staff. Um, Bill Cowers on that staff. Wow. I stayed there. Yeah, I stayed there for, and you know, we ended up getting Joe Montana and Marcus Allen, remember at the end. And then we lost to Buffalo in the championship game. And then Tony takes the job in Tampa. I become his assistant head coach. I stay there for about five years or so and then become the head coach of the Jets. And on Tony's staff, it's kind of interesting. It was uh, Mike Tomlin, Lovey Smith, myself, um, and uh, Rod Marinelli. We were all on Tony's staff, and we all became head coaches. And so that was kind of interesting. And talk about that, the personalities on that Tampa staff, because – I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you drink. I don't think you smoke, and I don't think you curse a whole lot. No. Tony certainly anyway. operates that way, and uh, Mike Tomlin is always seems to be kind of a calm, cool yep. guy. That had to be a completely different mojo than any other NFL I mean, <laughs> staff. That's that's a strange way to to coach kids these days because you know there's a knock on it saying how do you get through if you're just so you know calm and cool all the time. Right. Well, I, I think you got to be a good communicator. And, and I think the thing that they, they understood that, that, that we were, we were a team that in coaching staff that we, 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 we kind of took Tony's, you know, Tony's message. And when we walked into those meeting rooms, we delivered the message. Now every guy had a different way of coaching and, and Tony, Tony allowed personalities, but you respected him so much that you made sure that you, know, you didn't cross that line too many times. You just say, whoa, 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 okay. And there's just this respect, you know. It was like most players, they'll tell you, when you played for Tony, you didn't want to let him down. That's exactly what Peyton talks about that. You just didn't want to disappoint him. That, that, that's the bottom line. You didn't, and it's, it's funny because Tony and myself, we go back to the college all-star games. We came in the league together. That's how I met Tony. And I didn't know when I first met him on the bus going to practice in all, one of the All-Star games, I, and I introduced myself, and he says he's from, you know, Minnesota. And I said, oh, you play safety? And he goes, no. And I go, oh, you play running back? He goes, no. He says, I play quarterback. It's 1977. <laughs> I look at him. I said, 
You don't play no quarterback, man. <laughs> he says, I play quarterback. I said, you don't play quarterback. He says, I do. <laughs> and so, here's, so I can never live this down. You'll appreciate this. So we end, we end up playing small circuits. We go to Japan and play in the, in the one, in the one Japan Bowl. Now, Tony's on the other. They played the Japan Bowl two years. So I, we played the second one. So we're over in Japan. And on the last drive, Tony's playing quarterback, you know, and he's driving the team down. And we're close to about the 10-yard line, and he throws a pass and gets tipped at the line, and I intercept him. And the game's over. So we end up winning the game. <laughs> and so, you know, things go by. Tony goes to Pittsburgh, and then, you know, I go to Philly, and he plays for a while, and he starts coaching. And then eventually I go to – and we're, we became friends. I mean, from that day forward, we became friends. and We worked together in Kansas City, and then he hired me and groomed me to become assistant head coach. So you can imagine this. So you know how you have uh, – in training camp, you split the teams up and you have like a scrimmage. So I had I was captain on the one team and Tony had the other team. I was with Tony for at least five years. About the second year of the scrimmage, the players figured it out. They said, Coach, you can't, you're never gonna win this game. And I said, You're right. Because you know, something would happen, my team would do something, and, and Tony was the official too. Oh no, it's a penalty. And so it was like, and I said, he's getting me back for intercepting the ball in the Japan Bowl because he could have been the MVP. <laughs> yeah. Who would have ever thought that Tony holds a grudge for that long? Oh, he held a grudge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a, uh, and, and Marty Schottenheimer, I had, the, I had the pleasure of getting to know Marty. Yeah. Uh, when Eli was kind of in the draft, it, Chargers had the first pick, and, yeah. and there was some ch chatter there. And uh, Marty came down to New Orleans and said, I want to take Eli to dinner, take Archie, everybody. And my dad goes, I'm not going to that dinner. This is going to get dicey. Coop, you go. I went, okay, I'm 20, you know, four. I didn't know what, what upside were down. And we went up to dinner, and Marty and I drank scotch all night and had a great time. <laughs> and it all worked out. It all worked out, dude. <laughs> yeah. What Marty a was a good coach. He was a really good coach. He liked to run the ball. Oh, boy. We had some running backs now. Christian Okoye, Barry Word. Yeah, we had some runners. And Bruce Arians was a running back coach. Golly, Bruce. How about that? Yeah. We talked to uh, Brandon Marshall on Soup with Coop, and he told me he played for the Jets and the Giants. He said playing for the Jets is like going to public school and playing for the Giants is like going to private school. <laughs> I never heard it phrased like that. And it might be a little. Well, you know, it, it, it's funny because the Giants are one of the, are one of those traditional teams in the National Football League, and obviously the Jets were, you know, an OAFC team. And there's always this, you know, there's this, there's this battle. Are you a, no different than are you a Met fan or a Yankee fan? Yeah. And that's kind of what you live with. It's it's, it's interesting. Coach, you coach. You're at the Jets. You're at the Chiefs. And then you get into TV, and you were great on TV. You did a decade on TV, the the worldwide worldwide leader. Yeah, the mothership. Yeah, was it was it hard to do TV? Did you enjoy just the time off? Because I know coaching is so intense. But was it always just kind of pulling at your stomach that I got to get back on the field? Well, I, it needed to be the right situation for me to come back. Um, but I think what I learned on television, you know, what, this was funny. People say, well, you retired. I said, when you're a coach, you never retire. You still watch the game as a coach. Now, emotionally, you retire because there's no emotion in it anymore because you're not, you're, you're not actually competing, right? But mentally, you watch the game as a coach. So 
Now, all of a sudden, sitting there, I was watching college football games, had to do college football games, did SEC games uh, when, when Cam Newton was quarterback down in Auburn, right? Uh, you watch pro games. And so you get a different perspective of sitting back watching it, right? You, you watch the game as a coach. And I think the decisions that coaches make, how the game evolved all of a sudden, how a lot of this college stuff all of a sudden comes into pro football. So you never lose your, your ability to see what's going on. So you know, here's, here's what I would say this. Professors take sabbaticals and they come back. I took a sabbatical hey. and I came back. <laughs> it works. And I think it's so great that you have guys moving in and out of the league. I mean, now you've seen – Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone, who are head coaching in the NFL now, back in college, and then you see guys in college, boom, jump into the pros and being successful. It's uh, do, do you have a preference? What do you think is the biggest difference? Uh, well, it, it, here's what I do know. Professional football is a job, right? Uh, you have to keep your job. Players want to know this. When you're the head coach or position coach, can he help us win? And what is he going to do to keep me in the league? College players want to know, what can this guy do to help me get in the league? This is what coaches do at any level, at any sport. No coach in the history of coaching anything has ever given a player talent. God gives them talent. You give them information. You're an information provider. And how you give them that information and how they accept it will tell a lot about them. you. You cannot give them talent. You give them information and you build them up so they can go. The thing that I learned about this funny in pro football, you draft them college football. You recruit them. They pick you. You don't get to pick them. I know. There's a difference. Big difference. <laughs> Coach, I would think when you went into a living room with, you know, a set of parents and a young man trying to, talk to him to come to Arizona State, I would think, regardless of what the kid thinks, I bet the parents walk away going, I feel pretty confident my son's going to come out a better person sending him up to, over to Tempe. And that, you're right, and it's a compliment. And what's really interesting is when you sit down with the parents and, and you make the home visit, and within about 10 minutes of the conversation, and it could be going whatever way it's going, you know, school, all that stuff, you know, just like the real tough stuff. And then, and it never, it never fails me. It's either the dad or the mom or somebody or the grandpa or the grandma. They say, Coach, can I just ask you one question? And I go, Yeah. They go, You're just like the guy on television. <laughs> and I go, Yeah, you're right. I'm the same guy, right? And it's, it's almost, it's comforting when they tell me that because it's like. That's who I am. Well, he not changed. Same guy. You know, authentic and real is hard to fake, Coach. Well, I mean, and that's what you want to be, right? I mean, if you can do that and, and have some consistency in your life, and, and I've always said this, to me, you know, the thing that we talk about, but you got to live it, is try to be a person of integrity. When your words and your actions match up. Not when it's, not when it's comfortable all the time. And I always tell my players that. We have that on the back of our shirts. Words and actions. Let them match up. Just match them up every day, and you'll be okay. You know, I saw Tom Landry one time mm. met you after a game and, to and told you, you are a good football player. Oh, boy. 
And that's, that's, a, that's a Tom Landry quote, but golly, that, that means something more than just an average guy telling you that. When Tom Landry says that. Understand this now. I grew up in, on the West Coast. I grew up a Cowboy fan. I was a Bob Hayes fan. I wore number 22. Bullet Bob. Bullet Bob Hayes. I wanted to play wide receiver. We ran the ball a million times in, in, in high school football, <laughs> so I played both ways. I played tight end and I played uh, – uh, safety in it. And I intercepted more balls than I caught passes. But anyway, so I'm this Cowboy fan, right? I go to Cal. I'm, I'm still a Cowboy. I'm a Cowboy fan. I come into the league and run around and go, Philadelphia. <laughs> Take about a week of practice. You can't be a Cowboy fan. So we play the Cowboys our rookie year. My rookie year, we play them twice in our division. And I can remember going down. We weren't very good our first year. We played Dallas. And after the game, you know, the game's over, and we down, we had to go down an elevator or something, go down to the buses or whatever. And I open the elevator, and I'm in Tom Landry standing there, and I'm going, oh no. And I get on there, and I'm like, I'm standing, and I, I, I that's how you coach, you know, I, I kind of, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm petrified. I'm going, this is Tom Landry. This is, I'm standing next to Tom Landry. And he looks over at me, he says, 46. He said, you're a good football player. And I went, Thank you, Coach. And I shook his hand, and I came. I, when he told me that, I was like, Tom Landry told me I was a good football player. Now, you, you know you feel that way. But it was like, he gave me like, you go ahead. You're a good football player, son. That was it for me. I said, I'm good now. Tom Landry, says, he, he just made it official. <laughs> Coach, last question for you. Have you ever been around anyone else that, you know, you're a talkative guy and outgoing. Have you ever been around someone else in the presence of one, someone else that made you go, I better be quiet and just listen here and be kind of in awe of someone? Yeah, Muhammad Ali. I grew up on Muhammad Ali fan. We were playing the Saints. You remember when they had the fight? Uh, you probably remember, they had the big fight down there. We came in there that Sunday or that Saturday when he had fought already, he had won the fight. I think he fought Leon Spinks down yes. here. And he, and he won, and we were at the same hotel. Now, I grew up a Muhammad Ali fan. I'm like a fan of Muhammad Ali growing up. He was in my era. And we're in the, lo we're in the lobby or something, and all of a sudden he comes in there with an entourage of people. And I'm like, that's Muhammad Ali. And I'm looking, I'm going, should I? And I, I got to go, and I walk up to him, and, then, you know, the guys are looking at me, going, oh, and, and I, I kind of said, uh, you know, and I, I introduced myself and he, we had this little conversation for about two minutes. And I said, I'm actually talking to Muhammad Ali. And before he leaves, he has my hand. He said, let me tell you one thing, young man. And I said, yes, sir. He says, always bet on yourself. Don't be afraid to bet on you. And I went, whoa. It, I'll never forget that. It was like, I'm good. I'm good, man. I met the champ. Yeah. And I ended up going, I got invited when he was here in Tempe, when he had Parkinson's um, to his event, you know, he had an event out here for Parkinson's and he was in a wheelchair then he, he could still, he was still pretty good. And, and I was with the Jets then. And I come in here and I go and I, and I, I go down to talk to him and I, and I grab him and I said, I'm still betting on myself champ. And I don't know if he remembered me. I, he probably didn't even remember me. Because you're talking about 19, whenever the fight was, in 70, I don't know. 78? Somewhere right around there, right? 
And I don't see him again until I'm the coach with the Jets, like 2001 or 2002, whenever it was. And I come to this event, right? And I, and I reached out and I just grabbed him. And I said, I'm, I'm still betting on me, champ. God, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. That's amazing, Coach. Well, no, I, can't, I can't thank you enough for being on Soup with Coop. It has been an absolute pleasure. Coach, as always, we always wrap up ranking the soup from 1 to 1,000. Well, since, since our, 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 our guys downstairs made this for me and they cook for our players, it's 1,000. <laughs> you never make the chef mad. You know better than that. You never make the chef mad. Hey, you make sure you give your daddy a hug for me, please. I will. He'll be thrilled to know you You asked about him. All right, baby. God bless Take you. Now. Talk to Bye -bye. you. Thank you.